Well, good morning, everybody, and happy 2024. This is our first show of 2024, and I've got a great, fun guest who is one of my favorite guests, Pat Rickards here, who is the CEO of the Driving Force Institute for Public Engagement and author, social studies advocate, history advocate. We can go right down the list. And I hope you had a great vacation. We did. We were off for a few weeks. I got to get my voice back here as we as, <laughs> as we start the new year with all the podcasts. And it's always fun to be here with you. And uh, I hope I just hope everything went well over the holidays for everybody. Up here in Maine, we're expecting a uh, snowstorm on uh, Sunday and uh, this coming Sunday. And I'm, I'm wondering how it's going to be in uh, South Carolina, where my guest Pat is. We're going to archive this show over at ace-ed.org. That's the home website of our Consortium for Equity and Education. Hope you go over there, check out everything we do, including our magazine, Equity and Access, including uh, all the podcasts that we do, all the general information, and, of course, our Equity Awards, of which Pat is one of the winners. This is the Driving Force Institute is one of the winners. So please go over, check it all out. Everything's over there at ace-ed.org, and everything we do over there is free for you. So please, there's no, you don't even have to sign in. Just go over, check it all out, okay? ace-ed.org. Without further ado, the one, the only, Pat Rickards. Hi, Pat. Larry here. Hey, Larry. Happy New Year. Yeah, same to you, my friend. How's life in South Carolina? We're getting by. You're, you're expecting a nor'easter, and, and we're dealing with temperatures. We've got a cold front coming in where it's dropping to about 50. 50? Oh, my Lord. How will you ever put up with such freezing cold? <laughs> <laughs> Being an ex-New Jersey like you are, I know you know that. I'm just kidding. Okay. Oh, yeah. what is, hold on. Let me turn around. Let me see what the temperature is. The, the temperature is already, it's, what is it, 9 a.m., and it's a balmy 21, so I'm very happy. And we'll walk out barefoot, for goodness sakes. Okay? That's <laughs> simple. <laughs> and your your blood, they say, I don't think it actually happens, Pat, but they say your blood is thinning when you're out in the warm weather so much. Okay? That so, might be uh, true. Yeah. I don't know. I, I read somewhere where that's not true, that blood doesn't actually thin. Reminds me of the old Geritol commercial with tired blood. Remember that from five million years ago? Like that even existed, you know? Um, unbelievable. I, I, I want to start with two things. First of all, congrats on the Equity Award. Thank you. I appreciate it. Appreciate uh, yeah. all, all that your organization does in recognizing uh, the the work that's being done in the education space around equity. I think these are important discussions and. It help, helps demonstrate that uh, the way some people may view equity and its importance uh, is, is, yeah. is not quite in line with what's happening in the field. That's exactly right. I mean, I'm always reminded of down in, I think it's Arkansas, where uh, Governor Huckabee Sanders is, uh, she, she, the first thing she did was make sure that schools don't teach um, uh, critical race theory which no school was teaching because nobody even knows what the hell it is, okay? And she made sure she eliminated that would be like uh, another law saying that you can't bring your dinosaur to school. Not that everybody's, <laughs> not that anybody's doing it, but it, it, it just in case, okay? It's just so ridiculous, you know? It, it, yeah, we, we got to do it. it. The second thing I, yeah, and I have to tell you this. I don't want to tell everybody this. I have it highlighted on the website. Pat wrote a book along with Jessica Hahn called uh, – uh, why History Matters, American History Teachers Speak Out. And it is absolutely excellent. And you hear the voices of these 20 or so educators in here, all right, just talking about why this all matters. You know, a lot of people, especially this – actually, we should talk about this. This is a good way to start. Um, 
It's 2024, and here we go again. Another. It seems like, boom, two minutes ago it was 2020. Okay, we got another presidential election coming up. Okay, and it looks like it's going to be the same people. Okay, Biden and uh, Trump. All right, and uh, a lot of people are going to back. A lot of teachers are worried about teaching any of this. Okay, and we all have these expectations of what is going to happen. I have bad expectations of people acting up improperly and i hope they don't do it okay i'll say it that gently okay and and but it but it's just it's so that what used to be easier and fun is now a little bit scary and it's controversial amazingly teaching an american election okay is now something controversial in a public school your thoughts kind sir I, I think you're absolutely right. I think you know what becomes. Uh, you got a smile on my face here, Larry, because I'm realizing that you know, over the last decade, math has been controversial to teach. Uh, we make everything controversial to teach, yeah. but you know, I, yeah. I, as you're talking about the elections and how we deal with that, I think you're right. I mean, I, I remember being a kid in Massachusetts in 1980. Tells you how old I am. <laughs> and I remember our elementary school class when we went to an exercise where we did the 1980 presidential election. There you go. Um, and, you know, you know, and it, it's, I, I remember it simply because at the time you had, uh, well, you know, I think we, we've seen it eclipse since then, but you had a, a, an independent candidate, a former congressman from Illinois, uh, Anderson, who was running yeah, as an Anderson, right. against, yeah. against Carter and Reagan. And yeah. it made, even for our elementary school class, it made for an interesting conversation because, you know, we had a teacher who wanted to know not only who we were voting for, but why. And so you had individuals who, you know, largely, if you're in elementary school, you're voting for, you're pretending to vote for a candidate because that's who your parents are voting for. Uh, and I remember being the contrarian <laughs> right. because that was not, I was not backing the candidate my parents were. I was backing Ooh. the independent because I thought it was more interesting. But, you know, I, I, can, I can still recall the conversations I had uh, what are we talking now? Three years ago, after January 6, 2021, yeah. uh, where you, you know, I remember being on a, a panel discussion with teachers uh, who were saying that there was no way possible they could discuss what was happening in the U.S. Capitol in their classes, even after the fact. It was too controversial. It was going to cause too much angst. You were going to have parents call in demanding that the teacher be fired. Uh, and you know, that is just, it, it, it is so, such an unfortunate act. And I remember, you know, talking to the teachers, yeah. I, I can understand not wanting to dissect what had just happened on January 6th, because at that point, we still weren't quite sure. Yeah, it's too um, soon. But it's I certainly see it as the, the opportunity the old, to talk the about the British quote, Remember the old Cho N. Lai quote when they asked him in 1975 what he thought the effects were of the French Revolution? And he looked at the mm-hmm. reporter and said, it's too soon to tell. It is. It is. Yeah, that was That's the thing. So, I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you could you could have used, and I think we still can. You use things like January six. Okay, that's a great opportunity yeah. to talk about it the is. British burning the White House in the War of eighteen twelve. Uh, you know, it's a great opportunity to talk about, you know, which which you never get taught in your classrooms. You know, to talk about the fact that you had you know Puerto Rican terrorists uh, opening that's fire right. on the House floor in the nineteen fifties. That's right. Um, these are great Lost things that we should be talking about. Lost in history. Okay, and we, they should be, and you know, like you said, like you're mentioning, it's happened before, and yeah. we we just got to talk about it, see how they handled it before, and see how we can handle it now in an age of social media and all that. But it is tough out there, okay? It is tough out there to be teaching, and I just hope that uh, 
people stick with it and learn how to do it. I've got a show coming up. I think it's on January 16th. This is interesting. It's a show on strategies for teaching controversial topics. All right. And you're going to love this. And my guest is, is, is a school psychologist, Dr. Howie Knopf. It, it's not a, he's not a teacher. He's a psychologist. Okay. And this is what it has come to is how to handle this stuff without making people feel bad, feel good, feel attacked. Whatever. We're not creating controversy in your class and arguments and vehemence and all that sort of thing. Just amazing. A psychologist. Okay. I'm glad you're doing it. I, yeah, I think it's, it's, it's necessary. Uh, because yeah, I think it it's, we, we should never be in a place where we are afraid to teach. Yeah, and unfortunately, a lot of people are afraid to teach these subjects. Okay, it's just just scary. And 20, welcome to 2024, everybody. Yeah. It's going to start pretty darn soon, I got to tell you. I want to talk about a couple other things you do with the driving. Actually, I should ask that. Just tell everybody what the Driving Force Institute for Public edu- Engagement is. Just sure. tell them that. Sure. Well, the Driving Force Institute is a national nonprofit that's committed to improving the teaching and learning of American history. Uh, and you know, we, we started this off by focusing on short-form films. How can you tell these yeah. moments, the untold moments of history, in you know, two, two and a half minutes, the people, the places, the artifacts, the events that are often not talked about in the classroom but are so important uh, to how, how we teach and how young people develop, how they become critical thinkers. Yeah. And so, you know, at this moment, you know, we, we are point. one of the largest producers of American history films in the world. Uh, and, you know, we produce more than 500 titles, uh, you know, working with partners. You know, pe- people don't necessarily know about us. They know about our partners. Uh, you know, we work with the Smithsonian. We work with American Battlefield Trust. We work with New York Historical Society. We work with iCivics. Uh, we now work no. with the Spy Muse- International Spy Museum and the, I the Bill you know, of Rights. You know, I didn't know you knew Louise. I didn't know you worked with iCivics, yep. per se. Yeah. We do. We do. Yeah, it, Louise it's, is great. I mean, yeah, and it's just it's one of those things that you know, I, I, I'm absolutely fascinated. Hopefully you're going to be doing segments soon on, on how we can understand Generation Alpha uh, and how we can effectively teach them. You're talking about you know, truly digital students. And you know, for I, us, I, 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 realizing, Pat, you know, I have to admit something. I never heard that phrase, Generation yeah. Alpha. Oh, yeah. I never heard it. I, I live it's, in Maine. It's the new we're one. Way, the, we're those who are sort of 12 to 16. Yeah, people who are 12 to 16 now are Generation Alpha? They are. They are. And you know, it becomes important. You know, it's one thing we talk about digital natives. We talk about those, you know, those who yeah. are shaped by different things. You know, this is a generation already that's shaped by COVID. You know, this is a generation wow. that is spending, even as 12, 14, 16-year-olds, they spend more than two hours a day watching videos off of their phones, you know, watching YouTube videos, watching TikToks. And so why wouldn't you teach them in a way that they feel comfortable? Why are you going to force right. them to use a textbook right. that you and I probably had? <laughs> I'm, I'm laughing because I, I, I think I've told you this before, but when I got to, I think it was high, uh, junior high, they gave me a textbook, and the first name in it was my father. <laughs> you know, put some sign up here. <laughs> when he was 12 years old or something. Okay, mm-hmm. and it's just, it, that's no way to, it's no way to run an airline, as they used to say. They, we just can't do it that way anymore. You know, it's, it's unbelievable. So what are you suggesting for Generation Alpha? This is cool. This is where the next book is. Talk it to is. Me about it's, Generation this is, Alpha. It's really, yeah. it's, this, this is why Driving Force does what it does. 
is because, you know, we've had this fight. I know you, you've talked to educators, you know, for years now where we talk about, you know, what do you do with technology in the classroom? Are we supposed to have kids check their yeah. phones in? You know, we've got, I know, companies that sell these neat little cases and neat little bags and all sorts of things so kids aren't using their phones <laughs> in school. Um, you know, I, I remember a couple years ago, this was maybe five years ago, I went to Israel and I was looking at charter schools across Israel. These are schools that were serving, you know, not just the Jewish population, but were also serving Muslims and were serving Bedouins. There's, and the one a, thing they realized was... a huge article was, in the New York Times, uh, I think on Sunday, about such a school. Yeah. Just, you know, I mean, yeah. These, these schools across the country, and what you found was, you know, depending on the household, they might not have tablets. They might not have computers at home, but you know, each one of those kids had a phone in their hand. And yeah. so they used phones as the primary technology to teach. And I think, you know, we've, we've reached that point. We finally have to admit that keeping phones out of the classroom is a bad idea. You're talking about disconnecting and de-skilling our learners. And so that's, you know, we really focused on how can you use uh, short films that you can access that are created to be seen on a phone to mm-hmm. begin to spark a conversation, to spark a discussion. That's great. And at the same time, you know, we've, we've, we've created professional development. I know you're, you're good friends with the folks down in Kentucky that we work with, oh, uh, where we've created professional yeah. development for teachers, not on how to teach history. Teachers know how to teach history. They know what they should be teaching. But how do you use these technologies in an effective way in the classroom? Right. It's so, it's so darn important. Do you know my friend Peter Pacone out in California? I do not. I'm going to introduce you to Peter. He is a social studies advanced placement teacher extraordinaire. I think he's in San Marino. I'll, I'll get you. I'm going to connect you guys today. Okay. Wonderful. I appreciate and it. You will really like him. And he also, by the way, I, I've done some shows with Peter. Um, he's He already understands AI and is using it in his social studies class. All right. And he's a little bit ahead of the curve, I always feel. Okay, and I'm going to introduce you guys just so you know each other. I think it's really important that Thanks. you guys meet and, and talk and all that sort of thing. What is it? You sent me this, and I don't know what it is. What's the Essentials Project you're doing? Sure. Well, I think, as I said, you know, we've, we've spent the last four years creating these 400 short films on the untold. You know, really, and, and, yeah, and you know, so much of that yeah. was, was essential for engaging today's learners. You know, how do you tell American history through a lens other than the, you know, the dead white male landowners that we so often teach. Uh, and so that, that's what we had focused on. And you, you can see that across our content. Essentials is now the next phase of our work. Uh, I think, Larry, as you, as you know, you know, we are approaching the 250th anniversary of this country. Yes, uh, yes I do so know that. And so what we want to do is we're going to use you know, the same model that we use for Untold is we've now create, we've, we've decided we're creating 500 new films on the essentials of American history. Uh, you know, those stories that are, that are even in the textbooks that you and your father shared. Uh, how, do we, how do we tell all of these stories? How do we make it interesting? How do we make it relevant to today's students? A and, story you know, we're, like we're what? Fortunate what story? To partner give me an example of a story. Give me an example of an essential story. And I don't think well, it's I, I George think, Washington chopped down the cherry tree. I don't think it's, it's not. That. But there's, there are essential yeah. stories within George Washington himself. I mean, you look at the crossing you know, of the River of Trenton. Uh, you know, you have, you know, as you look at Thomas Jefferson, you know, understanding, um, you know, what he was, why, why in the world, when you look at his tombstone, does it not include that he was a U.S. president? Uh, why instead are we talking about his, his religious that. liberties? Why are we talking about the Declaration of Independence and those sorts of things? 
I think you know, e- even looking at you know the basic battles, you know what is what is the significance of the Battle of Bull Run? Um, you know those sorts of things become essentials. They're, they're items you have to know not only to to know your history, uh, mm-hmm. but they're they're important pieces to understand what it means to be an American. And so you know we are very fortunate that you know we are partnering with uh, the Colonial Williamsburg Foundation. Uh, nice. This is this is their, their initiative. This is their gift as part of America 250, uh, and you know you will see at some point. You know, this this is going to be populated on the history.org website, uh, and it provides an opportunity not just for us, not just for Colonial Williamsburg, but for you know museums and centers around the country. Uh, you know, you're talking about Montpelier. You're talking about Mount Vernon. You're talking about Monticello. You're talking about sure. the Abraham Lincoln Presidential Museum. All of them participating in this to make sure. That again, as as learners are looking, as today's learners are looking to video, how do we make sure that we are creating content that not only appeals to them, but teaches them what they need to know? And so we will have all 500 of those films will be completed by July of 2026, uh, but we're going to start releasing those films uh, middle of this year. Right. This is great. Now, two things. First of all, my memory for being the old social studies teacher. Unfortunately, my memory is fading. What's the other name for the Battle of Bull Run? Oh, you're going to get me. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's early in the day. Okay, there's yeah. another name for the Battle of Bull Run, and I can't remember what it is. Okay, that's A. All right, if you think of it, let me know, and I'm going to look it up, okay. too. I'm pretty sure I'm, cor- I'm, rec- I'm correct there. Okay, but secondly, okay, and I just want to delve a little deeper with you into the weeds. Why, why, why is the Battle of Bull Run, in your perspective, considered an essential? I'm curious. I mean, I know it was the first battle of, of uh, Civil War. Was said World War II, the Civil War. But uh, talk to me. Why you would? Why, what would make that essential? I'm, I'm, I'm being quite sure. Curious. I, I think it's it, it's one of those pieces that it really sets the stage. I mean, it allows us to understand. You're talking about generals that quite frankly could have been on either side. Uh, you're talking about individuals oh, wow. who had yeah. gone to West Point together. Yep. Um, that you know, it, it really you know, understanding. And I, I think, again, if we go back to your first question, Larry, about teaching what's happening in real life, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when, when, we, when we have this discussion just south of you in Maine as to the causes of the Civil War, um, these, these are ways to have those discussions. You know, these are ways to understand why did General Lee choose to side with the confederacy when he could have he could have been on either side that's right and by the way i i hate uh, I, uh, the, uh, he was a, the the leading general of a rebellion and he went mm-hmm. to his state rather than his country but uh, he was a he was a decent human being yep. okay and i i have to say that okay robert e lee was one of those people okay very well respected, etc. By the way, you're ready for the answer to my question, which I just looked up on the internet. I cheated. Absolutely. That's why you need a phone in your classroom. You'll remember this the minute I say it. The Battle of Manassas. Yes. Yes. Manassas is also built the first Battle of Bull Run. Okay. And boy, was the Union troops ever surprised. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of like the Russians were a little bit surprised by the Ukrainians these days. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah, it's that it's that simple. It's the same stuff. So, how many essentials things are you going to do? We're going to do five hundred films. Okay. How does it start? Uh, I mean, how do you get it started? Okay. And do you have to have a list of five hundred points already? Oh, we 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 have lists of thousands of of topics already. Okay. Uh, And that and that's what it does. You sit down and you you go through. You look at it by time period. 
Uh, you look at it by, you know, the type of film, again, whether it's a person, whether it's an event, uh, you know, whether it's a location, and you start realizing you know, how, how do you weave this together to tell yeah. a narrative? How do you make sure that all components are being represented? Uh, and then, you know, we're fortunate, you know, with all of the partners that are involved in this work. I mean, they bring a wonderful uh, resource in terms of the yeah, historians they that they work with so we can make sure that everything is, um, not just factual, but is teachable. Uh, and we work with classroom teachers as we're developing not just the scripts, but as we go through the productions of the video. Uh, you know, each each one of our films can take a few months to produce. Uh, and so, you know, it, it is a process. It's it's why we've begun it. Uh, but uh, you know, really, really feel you know this this is not meant to be the only thing that's used to teach. Uh, but what we've learned over the last few years is you you take a film or three and you use that at the beginning of a class or at the beginning of a unit, and it can spark some incredible discussions. Uh, and so, you know, that, that is what we are seeking to do. It's a, it's a gift that we believe this nation deserves, and we're looking forward to providing it. Wow. Right. I, it, do, it does need it. And my, my next question is, and, you know, you're talking about when, when, when I talk about what you guys do, and I love what you guys do at the Driving Force Institute, we're talking about, working with students in the classroom, okay? And my, I, I have always have a challenge these days with education schools, okay? And I'm curious how, they're, um, how, how the world that they're teaching fits into the actual world of the classroom. To me, the social studies professors who are teaching people to teach social studies, okay, and history have to, if I'm right here, have to change the way they're telling people to teach it. Okay, and there was always an emphasis when I was in school, which is about 40 million years ago. Okay, I rode my dinosaur to college. Okay, but but when when I was in school, they they emphasized the history that I was going to teach. They never emphasized the methodology. They never emphasized about the kids. And I'm wondering, as, as you look at that problem, okay, uh, that challenge, I shouldn't say problem, that challenge. What do you think's going on in Teaching, teaching teachers to teach history these days, or is it all dependent on on what you guys do and professional development, all that sort of stuff? Where do you yeah. think that is, Pat? Well, I, I have to admit, so I, I'm biased here, and I'm biased both, you know, for all of the years that I've spent in the reading wars, in recognizing <laughs> that uh, you know we, we're not using research, we're using, uh, in a large part, you look at how ed schools are being taught. Uh, how they're teaching reading teachers is they're not using yeah. best practice. They're not using what yeah. we know is necessary. They're using what feels good, or they're using what professors learned themselves when they were undergraduates. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm further biased. I, I think you know, as you know I'm, I'm a protege of Arthur Levine, the president emeritus of Teachers College at Columbia, uh, who you know, has, for years had taken issue uh, with the quality of ed schools, even when he was leading Columbia's ed school. Mm. And, you know, Arthur and I helped build a graduate school of education that was focused on competencies and mastery rather than, uh, than on a you know, time-based Carnegie unit. But all of that, and when we started DFI, we actually went and looked at this because you see so many people that have these views about American history teachers, about social studies teachers in K-12 today. And we believe that they're undereducated. We believe that they're all simply coaches who needed something to teach in order to have a job. Most of that's not true. But what we, we have to admit is when you look at ed school, it doesn't matter if they're teaching social studies or English or math, we seem to be so focused on teaching the pedagogy 
and not teaching the content. You know, we assume that the content is coming. You're talking about your experience as you became an, a social studies teacher. Right. You know, odds are you spent the majority of your time learning from history professors. I did. That's not necessarily the way it happens now. You're learning from education professors. That's um, better. And I that's, hope. that's the difference. I hope it's better. Okay. Uh, I think it can boy, be. It, it has to be. It has to be because you said it at the beginning. Why are we teaching kids? You know, don't, don't bring your phone into school. But the phone is the way they learn about the world. Yeah. Okay? They're tied to their phone. So why would they do that? In other, in other words, it's a class, student engagement classroom management situation. If we can make that more exciting, more engaging, if I may. Not that teachers aren't trying to do that every day. Please don't misunderstand. But that's what has to be taught to these, A, young people who are just going into teaching. Because they will leave teaching because they can't manage their classrooms. Yeah. That, that's why they will leave teaching. Not because they don't like history or math or science. Okay? They'll leave because they can't manage their classrooms. And I think it has to change so that they understand, A, the content, but B, how to teach it effectively. Your thoughts, I think you're absolutely sir. right, Larry. Yeah, you know, thank I, you. I think it's, it's one of those. We, we we still believe that you know th- those teachers who are truly passionate or truly effective are the ones who have to jump on top of desks or show up in powdered wigs to teach the, the, the Constitution. <laughs> That's not what we're saying. But I think you, you have to realize, and I think the question becomes, and it's why we do the work that we're doing: is your is the focus on the teacher or is the focus on the learner? Yeah. And you know, we create our films to focus on the learner, but we do so in a way to empower the educator, give them the content they need. And you know, I, I've, I've never lost I, – I remember years ago, you know, Linda Darling-Hammond is a good friend, uh, and oh, we well, collaborated on a number of things. And I remember talking very to her. Very well known, very well respected, excellent person. Yeah. Um, after, this was the book that she published in, in 2008, 2009. Uh, about the world, you know, the, the belief that we all think the world is still flat. And I remember talking to her about technology, because this was back when we, we were still struggling, whether, you, you know, the one-to-one computing had sort of puttered out, um, you know, and, you know, what were we supposed to do? And, you know, she made it very clear to me you know, that we were asking the wrong question. The question is not how do you teach through technology. The question is how do you use technology as an effective tool in your toolbox? Yeah. And that's, I, I believe yeah. the same thing about, about film and video. Uh, this is a tool in the teacher's toolbox. You know, you have, you know, it's why we created the Untold series in the first place. You know, for that yeah. teacher who's, you know, teaching somewhere and the student says, look, I, 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 I just, I think history is stupid. Um, this is completely <laughs> irrelevant to my life. Again, you're teaching me about all these dead male white landowners. Yeah. You're not teaching about people who look like me who come from my backgrounds. Yeah. And you might not even be able to find that in your textbooks. Um, you, know, you might be able to send a student to a library, but many of those libraries still have card catalogs. But I can give you a two-and-a-half-minute film on why mm-hmm. that same topic is relevant. Yeah. And you know, this is not just something that I believe. I mean, this is the same practice. My, my son is a senior in high school. And as he was going through wow. his American history class last year and was having these same issues, couldn't see the relevance, couldn't see the importance of what they were teaching. You know, I started bringing in our own videos. I started storytelling. And that all of a sudden, you know, his, his question to me is, why don't they teach me this way? 
That's right. And that's all we're trying to do. We're trying to empower yeah. teachers so they have these sorts of resources for kids like my son. They can teach them that way. And, and the fact that your son's in high school, I've known you a long time, buddy. Okay? I remember him being much younger. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah I'm, well, obviously, but it just, it just struck me when you said that. Okay? <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's just unbelievable. We have got to make for everybody. And, and the other thing, which, of course, is critical thinking. Okay, you take and you're you're a good example. I'll use it was the Battle of Bull Run. You start to mm-hmm. delve into that and rip away the layers of the onion. Yeah, it was a battle lasted two days. The Union basically ran away back to Washington. Okay, yep. but yeah, that's based, that's the story right there. First battle. Okay, their unexpected excellence by the uh, uh, um, the, uh, the Confederate Army. Okay, but there's more to it than that. Okay. All these questions come up from it. And it's the same thing with today's politics and civics and all that. You don't take that first service. You just peel away the onion. And you, all of a sudden, you'll start to have people thinking about what they're saying. And this is what you guys do and do so well. Thank you for being here, my friend, Pat Rickards. This is just great. Okay? It's just great. I appreciate it. Yeah. I will say like, one, one thing you know, that, well, that becomes important. When, you, when you're talking about civics... You know, we always yep. have, what, are you teaching civics or are you teaching history? Um, and they're both necessary. You've got to think about it like, you know, as you're teaching medicine. If you want somebody to be a strong civic voice, they need to know history. You want somebody to be a good doctor, That's they need right. to learn biology. That's right. Your point? It's just, it's, it's, I think what we're seeing in places is we're seeing individuals that are trying to replace the teaching of history with the teaching of Oh, civics. I see. And I then see. you see, and then it gets Can't even more confusing where you see those who are trying to teach the teaching of civics and are trying to replace civic education with civic activism. You know, yeah. All and, of and these pieces fit together, but we have to do. understand, we have to appreciate. You know, there's a reason why I, I, I can teach American history using untold in Florida, and I can also teach it in Massachusetts. Because yeah. what we're doing is, like you said, That's we're talking something. about critical thinking skills. Yeah. And you know, we, keep, we keep giving it different names. Uh, you, know, you, you and I can walk through the history. You know, we were talking that these were 21st century skills. These were STEM skills. These are soft skills. Yeah. We're talking about critical thinking skills, uh, which remain universal. And if it means that you've got to use a phone, if it means you've got to use content you're finding on YouTube, um, you know, then, then you've got to do it because yeah. it's important. Hey. We, need, we need our kids engaged. We need them to be part of this civil society. Well, let me make the simple point. I'll make it here. Teaching, if your doctor said to you, you've got a bad cut, I'm going to go get the leeches to suck out the blood, okay? You, you wouldn't go back to that doctor, okay? No. And so, so it's the same thing with, if I may, educators. The, the, the times they, I think Bob Dylan said this even before I did, the times they are changing, okay? And so are the kids in them. And it's, it's, yeah. it's that simple. And, you know, your point there, we have to teach. The kids have to take their own perspective, but you have to see it in context. In context. You know, I, I, I just have to bring this up. I saw the new movie, Napoleon. Did, have you seen that yet? Mm-hmm. I did, yes. Okay. I, I didn't like it, okay? And, the re- and I, I'm kind of a movie buff, but the reason I didn't like it, I guess because I know history, I always I felt that they, they didn't put the movie into any context. It was just Napoleon racing through Europe, and as far as I could tell, for no reason. Now, I, I know, of course, there was a reason, because I know history. But if you're just watching it, 
Okay, and I said to my wife afterwards, I said, if they made a movie about a guy who conquers Europe and falls in love with a woman and at the end marries her and all that sort of stuff, that, that's basically this movie. And she agreed. And I said, yeah, the movie is called Hitler. Okay, because it <laughs> needs context. It needs, it why were the British, why, were the, why did he want to conquer the, uh, why did he want to do all the stuff he did? What's Egypt? I know we went to Egypt. Well, what's this got to do with it? Mm-hmm. Okay, and and I, I felt the the movie, and this is to what we were saying a minute ago, lacked context. Yeah. Okay. I think you're absolutely right, and it, it's and, and that becomes one of those. I mean, you use part of that, and you know, it's, I, I realize we don't want to necessarily be teaching Hitler 101 in classes today, uh, but you know, even no, the, I, even the, the Napoleon movie can be used that. to yeah. describe the Northern Front and the fact that yeah. we never learned from Napoleon. Exactly. Exactly, and he did get cold there. But there were two hundred thousand people or something they lost. Mm-hmm. Unbelievable. Pat, we got to go. You're the best. I got to tell you, we'll do more together. I appreciate more it, Larry. I Happy New Year. All right, all right. We will be in touch, and I'm going to introduce you to uh, uh, to uh, Pat Picot in, in a few minutes. Okay. Peter, I appreciate me, it. Thank Peter, you, sir. P- Peter Picot. Excuse me. Too many P's. Patrick Peter Picot. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm going to introduce Pat Rickards to Peter Picot. You'll like him. Okay. Thanks, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay, everybody. <laughs> Driving Force Institute. It's drivingforceinstitute.org. There you go. Or untoldhistory.org. Patrick is great. His book, I got it highlighted, Why History Matters, and on and on and on. Check it all out. Well, here we are, 2024. My name's Larry Jacobs. Thanks for listening, and have a great day. <laughs> 